Well, everybody, the news is out and the anticipation is now on board here because we are getting ready to go back on stage. I'm Jason Klaus, and I invite you to join me for a night of Klaus to the Heart Live. It goes down on Friday night, November the 12th, beginning at 7 p.m. from the historic Picks Theater in downtown Lapeer, Michigan. Join me as we talk about the certain things that we can do to keep ourselves motivated when things aren't necessarily going our way. And I will be joined by a very good friend of mine, Todd Gilbert, who will be providing a opening musical act. So join us on November the 12th, beginning at 7 p.m. The tickets will be available at the door for $10 a piece. And this is a PG-14 rated show. Join us as I come home to Lapeer for my first entertainment endeavor in the city of Lapeer in over 20 years. I hope you will join us. It's Klaus to the Heart live from Lapeer, Michigan on November the 12th. This episode of the Klaus to the Heart podcast has been rated M for mature audiences only. Some material and dialogue may not be suitable for members of the family under 18 years of age. I'm Jason Klaus. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a union worker. I'm a professional wrestler. I'm a promoter. This is my show, and on here we are going to tackle a number of different topics. Klaus to the Heart Podcast. We could be talking about sports, we could be talking about pop culture, we could be talking about professional wrestling, but above all else, we are going to talk about how we can go through life to make a positive difference for ourselves and for those in and around our lives. Welcome to the Close to the Heart Podcast. Welcome to my show. This is the Close to the Heart Podcast, powered by Anchor.fm. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Damn you, Nicole. Why? Every week. It doesn't have to be. What are we doing? It's funny. To who? I know. It's a, to me. Okay. Um, I'm trying to wear the producer, director hat here, trying to get our show in line here so we provide our fans with quality audio entertainment, and you're screwing it up right out of the gate here. I'm, Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Klaus of the Heart podcast. <laughs> the flagship show of the Jackal Creations Podcast Network, powered by Anchor.fm. I am with the uh, the fantastic. Infamous. <laughs> Infamous. That's a good one. I, was, I, I, I wasn't sure which way I was going to, what road I was going to go down in terms of your introduction this week, but we'll go with... The lovely Nikki Falsoni from her home in Newark, Ohio. 
Uh, I'm Jason Klaus. We certainly appreciate you guys t tuning in this week. Uh, Nicole, before we get into the topic today, we are going to tackle uh, part three of this What Made You series. Um, but before we get there, a couple of things that I want to talk about, and we just we kind of touched on it a little bit during the crosstalk before we hit the record button. This is episode 90, and it blows my mind because when I started the podcast, I think on like the first or the second episode, I said, I don't know if this thing is going to go past 10 episodes, but here we are. Um, episode 90 in 10 weeks will be the big 100th episode. And we were just kind of, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, we were talking about what can we do for this big milestone? And, um, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of ways we, we could tackle this, this milestone, but it just blows my mind as I was t typing this out, you know, as we were getting ready to launch on Skype here because I always, you know, I have to put a title on each recording session. So when I go back and look at it, I know what show I'm pulling and this and that and the other thing. And I was like, God, bless America, 90. Just blows my mind. And you've been here for 30 of them, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's super exciting. I didn't realize it had been that many. That's awesome. I didn't realize it either. Boy, how time flies when you're having fun. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, how's how's things in 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 your area? You weren't on last week. We weren't able to meet up because your schedule, my schedule, all over all over the board. Yeah. Uh, so I had to go old school. I went solo just so that we had a new um a new episode that would that that would drop on Tuesday morning. And um, so, you know, this is the first time in a, in a minute since since we, we've been able to talk. So what's new? Yeah. How, how's things? Good, good. The kids went back to school this week. So we're just getting back into that grind. And I saw that. the pictures. So, very adorable. Thank, thank you very much. So, yeah, first and second grade and then our little guys in preschool. So, yeah, mm, exciting back. stuff. Back to reality, as they say. Amen. I know every night they come home. I'm like, do you have homework? No homework. I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know, homework during that that portion of your school career, that was never a thing with us. Why is that no. a thing now? I don't know, because they consistently come home with homework. Seriously? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my oldest last year always did. Every single night. Who books this shit? Why are you sending kids that age home with homework? And the thing is, is that because like how they do math is completely different. Oh, and he's don't even he's, get started on that. It, he, he was in first grade and he's like, you're doing it wrong. And I'm like, I'm getting the answer. He's like, yeah, but that's not how you get the answer. I was like, oh, dear God. <laughs> No, I've heard but I've it, heard about this. I mean, Austin goes math, through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what is this? I mean, two plus two it, when we were growing up was simply four. Mm -hmm. But now these kids and, you know, and I'm this is a bad example. I'm just trying to make a point here. But you have to have, you know, the equation that is half a page long here. I mean, what the fuck are we doing? 
two know. plus it's... two equals four. No matter how you get there, it mm -hmm. really is four. It's like, oh, yeah. so stupid. And is this going to, to to translate to their adult life? Because I gotta believe that if I, you know, if I'm going to be in a situation where I have to use math, I'm not going to sit there and go through the motions of writing out half a page of an equation to get to a single digit answer. It just makes no sense to me. It makes no, no sense. I agree. I agree. I guess that's why I'm not a teacher and I'm just. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing old nuts. school. I'm old school. Carry the one, you know, yeah. and I'm adding like, I, yeah, and they do not do it that way anymore. And I'm like, oh, gosh, that's great. They've made it impossible for parents to help the kids. Because mm -hmm. I think by, I think for the most part that the parents that are helping the kids with this are parents that learned like we did. Right. <laughs> so it's like we're all learning together. <laughs> Look, I graduated some years ago. I'm not interested in, you know, relearning how to do math. I was never very good at it to begin with when I was in school. So, I mean, I, I could go on and on. <laughs> on and on and on. Thank God my kids are smart. And, you know, they're, I got a dad. Thank God, because I mean, you, you you need help with history, you need help with English. I'm your guy. Like I, I'm I'm dialed in. I'm you know I like I know my shit when when it comes to history and and English. Um, science that's Carrie's thing. Math is Carrie's thing. Um, I uh, yeah, not 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 for me. I'm not on that intellectual level, which is why. I guess I'm an auto worker, a pro wrestler, and a podcaster. So I got to use three things to make up for my inability to do math and science. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. I love uh, it. So, you know, one other thing I want I want to touch on, and this is the first time I've talked about it on the air in terms, you know, on any of my shows, any of the, of the podcasts here on the network, uh, we made a pretty big announcement this past Friday, one that has been some time in the making, and uh, one that I am very, very excited about. I am going back on stage, and anybody that listens to the show that knows me on on any kind of level knows how important that has been that has been a goal that has been a dream in some in some aspects and that dream is about to become reality because nicole on november 12th i'm going to step on to the historic stage of the picks a theater in downtown lapeer and, um, you know, you grew up in Lapeer, mm -hmm. you know, you, you know how significant that building is to the downtown area, what a staple it is for anybody that lives or, or grew up in that area. Um, you know, when we were kids, it was strictly someplace to go watch movies, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they didn't have multiple screens. It was one screen one movie 
And as kids, I could re- remember going there with my brother and we watched The Goonies, we watched Teen Wolf, we watched all these movies that became our favorites as kids. And, uh, you know, I've I told this story a few times since Friday, like with with my work colleagues, my union brothers and sisters, and, you know, they were very excited about the announcement but they didn't have a grasp as to why they were excited. They just knew that this was a big thing for me. So I explained all of this, you know, and I followed that up with, um, we were supposed to have his memorial in that building last year, but uh, because of the restrictions and the mandates and everything, you know, due to COVID, um, we weren't able to do it. So we had to move it to a different venue. But it was on that day, I said to myself, um, I'm going, I'm going to run this building for a show in some way, shape or form. And, um, you know, it was something that I, I kind of kept in the back of my mind. And I knew that if I was going to really pursue the art or, or not the art, but the, but the act of going back on stage to do a stage show, that was my top venue. You know, just because of the, of the sentimental value and um, somebody very special, very, you know, just a, just an awesome friend of mine who uh, has really rallied behind me, behind my attempts, behind my brand here, um, really <laughs> took took the lead and kind of initiated the the conversation that ultimately led me to signing a contract with the picks and it's it, it's going to happen and it, and it happens november the 12th now i had sent out a um like a mass text or a mass message through messenger really um for you for the rest of my co-hosts here on the network and i said you know this is what and this is before i announced i said this is what i'm doing this is the date i'm doing it this is where I'm doing it at, and I would love to have everybody in person, one time, same place, so I can have you guys on stage for the the end of the show, so I can kind of introduce the the family, as it were, the podcast family, to all of our supporters, and I, I feel like that that's something that's very important, and I know for you, Nicole, that's you know, you are the furthest one away from the, the, the area living in Ohio and everything. But, um, you know, there's a little bit of time between now and then. So hopefully um, things are are able to come together and you are able to come up north uh, for that night because it's it, it's a pretty big one. It's it's the significance on a professional but even more so for me on a personal side, um, this is a huge deal. And I, I, I don't, I worry about overemphasizing the importance of it, but at the same time, you know, I want people, my friends, my family, I want them to know just how special this opportunity is. So, yeah, it's, I'm going to do my very best. And I know you will. I know you will. Uh, maybe you you can bring Sarah. I know she's in the area, so 
<laughs> yes. Well, that's where I would be staying. So. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into this thing. We are going to tackle um, another aspect of the What Made You series. And I got to tell you, before we start, the first two installments have really resonated. And that's 100% because of you. This is your baby. This is your idea. This is your brainchild. And while I had expectations as to what this would lead to, the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive and has really kind of set a bar here in, in terms of engagements um, with our with our listeners. This was good stuff. And I feel like this this part, you know, the uh, the third part of 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 this series is going to get people right in the gut right in the heartstrings because um, we're going to tackle a very personal aspect of what made you. And when you and I were talking and I said, hey, let's do part three. And, and you kind of came back with, uh, you know, almost sarcastically, like, what what if we talk about this, LOL? Because that's that's the standard, right? Because if you want to put something out there that you're serious about, but you're worried that it won't be taken seriously, every, every, everybody puts those stupid letters at the end. <laughs> LOL. Well, what's so fucking funny about this? The, you know, let's let's do this. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> what made us, what made you, um, you know, there's a number of different aspects here. We we talked about it in in the first part. Today, we are going to talk about for and and I realize, hopefully anyway, that this that this type of a situation does not resonate with every single person now that listens to the show. But I also realize that there is a lot of people that this is going to resonate with. And that is uh, the sometimes tumultuous childhoods that we have encountered that have helped shape who and what we are as adults. Am I somewhat accurate here? Yes. Okay. I feel like this is going to be one that you are going to really take take control over. Because, I mean, you and I know each other. We've known each other for a long time. Like, we, we know things about each other that perhaps maybe even our, our significant others aren't aware of. In, in mm-hmm. terms of, of things that we've been through, things that we've experienced during our childhoods. Now, your, your family, my family... And, and and the dynamics that we have with our respective families are not on the same level here. Um, you know, I, by and large, I grew up, you know, my mom and dad were married up and, you know, we've talked about this. They were married up until I was like 18, 19 years old, and then they got divorced and things happened. They wound up reconciling, re- remarrying up until... My mom passed away. 
that is not the case with your situation. So let's let you tackle your part of it first, because I feel like, you know, you have a lot more experience in this. Now, I have my my own quote unquote demons. I have my own uh, pitfalls and roadblocks along the way. But ultimately, Nicole, this is this is a very significant part of what made us. Am I right here? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so you came from a, you know, two parent home. Um, both of my parent, my biological parents have been married at least three times each. So my parents divorced when I was very young. I don't ever remember them being married to each other. So that right there was a very different situation. Um, my mother and father were never able to effectively co-parent. Um, their hatred for each other superseded their love for me. Mm. That's a pretty so, damning statement. Yeah. Um, my mom battled with addiction my entire life. Um, my dad, same thing, but his his he was a little more high functioning than she was um so there was a lot of um situations i was exposed to as a small child um very dangerous situations um emotional neglect physical neglect um in those sort of things so we got go ahead Neglect. Would you say that neglect is a more subtle form of emotional abuse? Yes, I would say that that's that's an accurate assessment. Yeah. Like I have, like I've, I've met, I've met your parents, both of them. Yes, both my and, parents. Yeah. Um, you know, so and I and I realized back then when I did meet him and obviously not not at the same time I met your dad and then I met your mom. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember thinking, you know, especially when I met your mom, you know, secondarily. These two are polar opposites just in the way that they 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 conduct their lives and it didn't take me long to figure out you know what this dynamic was with between them about them and then where you came into play and as, as you laid all that out I was like damn man that's that's exactly like I pinpointed it and, and it's not something that you and I openly talked about at, mm -hmm. at great length but I mean, you know, I'm I've always been very in tuned with with people, how they conduct themselves, their body language, things of this nature. And um, so I, I, you know, it, I underst I understood where a lot of your and forgive me, your insecurities came from. 
Oh, uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I could tell back then that this thing between the three parties, you in the middle, your mother on one side, your father on the other, um, how it was at that time shaping who you were becoming as your own individual self. Um, so you laid out here that, um, you know, you don't remember them being married. You know, right. you were very, very, very young. How does that, so when, 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 when you are coming into your own and you're starting to go back to a time in your life to where you're thinking about where you are, are collecting your first real memories of both mom and dad here, mm-hmm. what goes on in your mind? Like, I know you don't re- remember them being married. So how did that affect you? Like when you went to school and you had friends who had your quote unquote, you know, your, your traditional family setting with mom and dad being married siblings and the whole nine yards. Did, did that mess with you at all? I don't think so because I think like our generation is the first generation of divorced parents. I mean, it's where it was becoming more common. Right. And, um, my both of my parents I was um my parents marriages it was their second marriage like to each other like mm-hmm. they were both previously married before they married oh I see I did not been... know that oh yeah okay oh, yeah. yeah and then um so they they had yeah my and my mom had I have an older brother older half brother that's a story for another day. <laughs> Let me but, write that um, down. And then, yeah. And then my, <laughs> my father's first marriage, he did not have any children. And then my parents' second marriages were to each other. Now, my youngest memories um, are at my grandparents' house because that is where my mom and I lived sometimes. And then my mom, um, back in the day, my mom was absolutely gorgeous. She was beautiful. And... She always had a man in her life and we were moved around a lot because of that. We'd move in with a boyfriend and then they'd break up and then we were moving again. And so we, our home base, we always ended up back at my grandparents' house. So my grandparents' house was kind of like my safe haven. So that was when I like think back about my childhood, that's, that's the place I think about as my my safe spot. So. Very, very interesting. Um, you know, you, you see, you see and hear stories like that, like in movies and TV shows and things of that nature. And, but, to, but to hear it in a real life context is like a, a, you know, a portion of that I'm hearing for the first time. Like I didn't realize you were, you were bounced from one house to another boyfriend to boyfriend, things of that nature. Um, I, I can't even imagine because you're supposed to have that, that safe haven, as you say, that's supposed to be your constant. That's supposed to be the one place on earth that you feel the, the, 
the safest in, right? For you at your grandparents' house. Um, now, when you and I met, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like when, when you and I first met all them years ago, yeah. uh, you were living with your dad. I right? did live with my dad. Yeah. So, so, so where does the, where does the, the, the transition come into play where you're not living with mom and you're now li- living with, with your father? So that happened right around between sixth and seventh grade. My grandparents retired and moved to Arizona. So I went to live with my dad and stepmom and lived with them through junior high and then my freshman year. And then that summer, I went and lived with my mom for about half of a year through 10th grade. And then it just was not working. And I went back to live with my dad. So, and then, excuse me, I lived with my dad through my junior year and part of my senior year. And then I kind of bounced back and forth my senior year. So you and I met my junior year. Mm -hmm. And then, but I was living at my dad's my junior year and then my senior year. Um, again, I was there for, I just kind of bounced back and forth between the houses, but. So before you moved in with your dad, mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're with your mom. So how would you describe the relationship with your mom? I mean, you guys are pretty close, right? Um, I guess it was. She dated a lot of dirt balls. Like she just. I don't know. That was her thing. She just, she had a weakness and she was battling addiction and she kind of, if you've ever seen the movie, the banger sisters, she reminds me of Goldie Hawn's character in that movie where she's like this perpetual party girl and she's attractive and blonde and, um, and she just never had the strength to overcome that lifestyle. And like I said, she was 20 years old for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that was kind of how she conducted herself. And um, her priorities were really screwed up. And you were and you were picking up on that relatively early, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Like I yeah, like I woke up um, to get ready for school. I was in sixth grade and she wasn't there. And there, and I was like, what is going on? Well, she, her boyfriend was being um, let out of jail. So she went and picked him up from jail and like left me alone at the house. She's like, well, I thought I'd be back before you woke up. Like, (laughs) okay, you can't do that. I mean, it's just like all these things that, um, yeah, my, my mom's addiction was really bad through my childhood to the point where. Um, she overdosed and I had to climb out of our bathroom window to go to the neighbor's house because she was a nurse and they had to call the squad and they took her by squad to, I think probably Hurley because we lived in Davison at the time. Mm-hmm. But um, that those things like are just burned into my memory. Like I can remember every single detail about that day. And I was in second grade but I literally can remember every single thing about that day, what she was wearing, what I was wearing. Um, and then visiting her subsequently in rehab. 
and um yeah so I think as an adult now I overcompensate in so many aspects of my life so that my kids never feel that way um I mean my mom would forget to pick me up from school like I'd be sitting out on the steps at the school and the teachers would be leaving for the day and they'd be like Nicole is someone coming to pick you up I'm like oh yeah my mom will come and get me and then finally I'd see her car come but I mean I would sit there for a long time and now as a parent when I have to pick my kids up from school I'm there like half an hour before school gets out I like way overcompensate for that and this is a direct result of this tumultuous time in in your childhood you at second grade man you know i don't even know how like i'm trying to be i'm trying to watch my words here because as you're laying this out like on the inside i'm getting pissed off like seriously pissed off because no parent should ever put their child in any kind of situation like that and the fact that you have such vivid detailed memories of something like that at such an early age like when i look back on on my second grade it's because um i i remember having like a dukes of hazard fucking backpack or something like that that's my memory you know what i mean that's right. not the case with you. you th- this mm-hmm. is serious here. Oh, yeah. Um, Year, years and years of therapy, I assure you. <laughs> it's just, but I mean, that encompasses exactly what this series is all about. You just laid it out. You you have this vivid memory of this horrible day, this horrible time. Your mom overdosed. You had to go through a fucking bathroom window to get you know help from a neighbor. You remember v- visiting her in rehab. How many other kids your age at that time has that kind of story? Not very many. Uh, and subsequently, it has altered, it has shaped who you are as a parent. And it's a direct result of that time with your mother. Let's fast forward a little bit, because I know that this is another aspect of your upbringing and also a huge contributor to who you are as a person, individually, as an adult, and that is the relationship that you had with your father. Hmm. This, like, I remember there, you know, I, 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 I remember the feelings that I had in the first time that I was exposed to your relationship with your dad. Like, I felt like, like we all have had friends that had strict parents. Like when you went to their house, it was like a museum. You couldn't touch anything. You couldn't, you know, you had to like almost tiptoe through the house so you didn't, you know, upset the the parents. Like we we had neighbors like that. Like you knew that they loved their kids, but they didn't know how to 
express it. They didn't know how to show it. Tough love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's That was their big cop-out thing. I picked up on that real quick. Like, I felt like your dad cared about you. I didn't feel like, even back then, I didn't feel like that he liked you at some point and i didn't and i certainly didn't feel like he respected you um and I, I i remember picking up on that very early on like i this is not what i'm used to like my my dad and i uh you know we weren't terribly i mean we weren't really all that close when i was younger because my dad worked all the time and when he wasn't at work, he was doing something around the house. And, you know, he would get so involved in whatever he was doing. Or he, when he did come home from work, he was so exhausted from working 12, 14 hours a day. You know, the, any little thing would set him off. And it, for a while, it made me almost afraid of him. Because I didn't want to upset him because I didn't want him to yell at me. Now, I'm not trying to paint a picture that all he did was was yell at us because that's not the case. There just wasn't a lot of um, overly emotional um, shows of, 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 of support, I guess, for the lack of a better term. Like, there, I had no doubt in, in my mind that my father loved my brother and I. There were just times where... I felt like he didn't like us very much. Like we were in his way. And I, and I can, I can understand that. Um, but with you, you know, and you know, I, now I should back up a little bit now in the here and now, since, you know, since I'm an adult now and things, you know, even before, you know, everything happened with my mom and with my brother and stuff like that, we've, we finally started to get, you know, closer and closer and closer. As I got older, we got closer. And in the face of insurmountable tragedy, we've be we've become as close as we've ever been. You know what I mean? That that does not I don't feel like that's a thing in 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 your situation. And I feel like because of the way you were treated and what you were shown in your very formative teenage years, you know, as you're starting to come into your own, as you're starting to figure out who you are, what you want to be, that, you know, your relationship with your father has had a direct result on how you conduct yourself here and now, even oh, yeah. at, the, at this point in, in your life. Would you say that, that that's accurate? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he... He was really big on image and we had a really nice house and drove nice vehicles and everyone was always dressed really nicely. But what people didn't see was what was going on behind the scenes where he was emotionally and mentally abusive and just said the most awful things. I mean, he would make me cry before school almost every morning and it was finally so bad. Um, I was in 11th grade and my first hour teacher English teacher pulled me out in the hallway and she said, if you come to school one more time and I can tell that you've been crying before you come in, we're going to get the school counselors involved. Oh, shit got real then. Yeah. Well, so then I learned to just stifle it down. Because you didn't want anything to happen to your dad? 
No, not that, because I didn't think anyone was going to believe me. Because he was such a manipulative narcissist that everybody, and he was a salesman, he worked in sales, so everybody just, you know, he was so, you know, macho and so chauvinistic, and he, um, it's just gross. <laughs> he lived the gimmick. You know? Yeah, he did, he did, and he, um, every day it was some sort of something that I, you know, if I brought home bad grades, I was stupid and I might as well just get knocked up and go on welfare and because oh I'm never going to be anything. And he didn't want me to go to college. I can just go work in a factory and um, that I was fat and dumb and I was never going to amount to anything. And so I was hearing this like, if not every day, several times a week, just snide comments um, and then when I started dating, he would make comments about what I was wearing, if I was advertising, if, you know, once guys get what they want from you, they're never going to talk to you again. And, um, and the thing was, is I was a virgin that whole time. Like I wasn't sexually active. I wasn't promiscuous. I wasn't, you know, if anything, I was a prude <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I had that just always gnawing away at me at home. And then um, that was one of those things. And I think I've said this to you that when we were friends, that when I saw your, your truck pull down our road and I was like, thank God. Like I was just, cause you had that black truck back then mm -hmm. and I'd see you driving down the road. And I was like, I knew I was getting away. Even if it was only for a couple hours, it was like, I was just getting away from his smart aleck, snarky, just sarcastic bullshit. And then it was just like, I'd hop in your truck and I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to deal with it, but, um, it was relentless sometimes. And it just undercut who I was as a person. I'm now a woman in my 40s, and that stuff still rings in my head. It is it has caused this deep-rooted insecurity within me because here's this person who, you know, how TV and society portrays, you know, your father is supposed to be this person who's like your provider and protector and puts you on this pedestal and daddy's little princess. And it was so far from that. Not only that, but, you know, fathers, moms too, but I mean, a lot of that, a, a lot of that attention gets put on the fathers of the relationship that we're supposed to be the standard of what is acceptable mm -hmm. for our kids. Like for, and I take that shit very, very seriously. Um, well, like with my kids, I want my son you know, because I have one of each, right? I have a 12 year old son who, well, he's almost going, he's almost a, a 13. And then I have an eight year old daughter. I want my son to look at me and be like, this is the example of how you're supposed to treat people, how you're supposed to treat your significant other, your wife, your girlfriend, you know what I mean? Um, to be the provider, to be, you know, the head of the table, as it were. The dynamic with my daughter is I want her to see that, you know, 
yes, in in my world and anybody that that's around me when when she's around, she is my little girl. She is my princess. Now her and I, we butt heads like like something terrible. Um, but at the end of the day, that's my my little girl, and I am her daddy. And when when push comes to shove, you know that's when we get on the same page at the same time. Um, but I also want to have this, I want to set the standard of this is how a man is supposed to treat a woman because under no circumstances have I, or will I ever engage in any kind of activity? Like if Carrie and I were to get into an argument, that's not going to happen in front of my kids. I won't, I won't allow it. I'm not, I'm not going to be a contributor to something like that because it could be something small but it will be it will be burned in their brains if if it's something that strikes them personally if they see a you know an unfavorable situation between mom and dad that's going to fuck with them in some way shape or form it's just a matter of how long lasting is that you know so i will not under any circumstances engage in that kind of of activity in front of my children now if we're going to have an argument we're going to have an argument but it, it's it's not going to be within eyesight within earshot without any of that shit because they don't need to be exposed to that that's none of their business they don't and and <sighs> I'm trying to be respectful here and forgive me if I cross the line here, but dynamics like the one that you're laying out is a huge reason why there is a percentage of our generation and generations since then where these kids are, <laughs> they need some sort of support system. And I'm trying to put it mildly here. You, you, you know what I mean? And I'm sure your dad sure. don't listen to the show. Uh, mm. I, I, what I want to say <laughs> what I, and what I am saying are two different things. So I'm going to try to be as broad about this as I can. Um, behavior like the one that you have experienced. Not just on the father's side, but the mother's side too. Yeah, I hit the parent lotto. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, you could have gone one of two ways here. You could have gone down, you could have taken every piece of ne of negativity and allowed those building building blocks to form this alter alternative version of you to where in your mind, you 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 aren't worth anything. You are a piece of shit. You know, there's only one thing that guys want from you. And you could have gone down a path that would have led you. And I hate to say it like this, but uh, could have mirrored the kind of of life that your mother had. Oh, absolutely. Completely. That's why so many therapists are like. I'm, it's amazing that you are as normal as you are mm -hmm. considering your past. Right. 
And, you know, we've we've talked about that because you could have been that. You chose not to. You mm-hmm. took every bit of adversity, of heartbreak, of anger, of betrayal, of all of these negative emotions. And you were able to use that as tackling fuel, as motivation of, fuck that. This is not what I want to be. I'm going to be this person. Because I'm going to take every piece of shit that you handed me during the course of my lifetime and I'm going to take it and I'm going to show you that number one, you're wrong and number two, I'm better than you will ever be. And that's just my my two cents. And you have done that. You, it, Anybody that knows you on any level um, knows... And I, I don't know who knows what I'm saying. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Sarah does. You've mentioned she's oh, your, yeah. your ride, you know, your ride, ride or die or however yeah. they say it. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, I would imagine that like your PTO moms don't know that, that, that much detail into you. They just think mm-hmm. of you as this wonderful mother that's involved in, in, in the kids future lives, things of this nature. Listen, mm-hmm. I get it. But at the same time, because of all the bullshit that that you've dealt with, that's what made you who you are here and now. And mm-hmm. I've got to believe that you, your kids and Jesse, for for that matter, they're they're going to be the ones that reap the rewards for the for the lack of a better term. Because you know what you don't want to be, you know how that shit feels, and there's no way that you would try to bestow any of that garbage on your family here and now, right? Right. And that's why I have to walk such a tight line that I don't overcompensate for that. But, you know, there are certain things that I do that I make sure that I stay, um, like, what what things kids like now. And I just kind of, like, in what clothing is popular and again I'm totally overcompensating but it was because I never had that stuff Mm -hmm. and when I did it was always rubbed in my face of well you the only reason people like you is because we have money and you have all this brand name stuff that's the only reason people want to be friends with you Mm. because I had a pair of filas you know (laughs) look out right right back then back then they were the thing but um you know, now I think you can buy them at Walmart, but anyway, <laughs> um, but you know, I kind of, I make sure my kids have things that are brand name and my pantry is overflowing right now. Like there is, cause that was one of the things like was food scarcity when my mom was like selling her food stamps for cash. So, but then to support her habits. Right. Okay. And so, but the thing is that everyone's like, well, yeah, but you were a chubby kid. Yeah. But then I, that is when my eating disorder started as a child was because, you know, I didn't know when I was eating. So then I would eat unhealthy stuff in large quantities. I would binge. And then, yeah. I mean, it wasn't that way at my grandparents' house. My grandparents' house, we always had food and stuff. But my mom always just kind of, her priorities were just so screwed up. And it's not how she was raised and and that kind of stuff. But 
Um, but yeah, that's one of those things that as, as an adult that I, that I have seen, you know, people with childhood trauma that have been through, you know, tumultuous childhoods like I did, um, there's some hallmark things and usually like an overstocked pantry is one of those. And, you know, my kids have four, five, six pairs of shoes for school and they have outfits and everything is, you know, I go above and beyond and I make sure that their birthdays are a big deal. And I make sure that holidays are a big deal because, um, you know, I saw other families had that and I had it to an extent, but it was just, there was so much turmoil around things Mm -hmm. that I want my kids to just have good memories. And again, this is a direct result of a tumultuous childhood. Mm-hmm. Every, everything that you just said is a result, direct result, nothing indirect about it, of the way you grew up. Now, mm-hmm. let, let me ask you this. At this point, as a woman in her 40s, three kids, mm-hmm. fiance, um, do you have any kind of contact with, with either one of your parents at this point? So I have limited contact with my birth mom. Um, she is, um, she lives in Michigan and, um, I talk to her on occasion. My grandmother, her mother passed away two years ago and, um, she has kind of latched on to me again, which has been a little difficult for me because um, she, the best way I can explain it is how my therapist said, when you are dealing with addicts, she cannot remember what you cannot forget. Wow. So the stuff that happened, the times that she didn't pick me up from school, the time that she left me at daycare all day, or, you know, her dirtball skeevy boyfriends and just her not having food at the house or the day she literally left. This was when I was in high school. I don't know you if you might remember this or not, but she went to get groceries. She left to get groceries and she came, she was missing for three days. I remember and that. She came back. And she came back without her car. I still, to this day, 25 years later, still don't know what happened to that car. I'm guessing she probably owed some money to someone in Flint. That's kind of what I was thinking. That's what what I've always thought is probably what happened. But um, I, she doesn't recall any of that. She just recalls these little things of, oh, well, do you remember when we did this? Or do you remember when we did that? And I will say that my grandparents were a godsend. My grandparents took very good care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when they retired and moved away in 1990, I was 12. So I still had several years um, without them. And that was incredibly difficult. Um, I do not have any sort of relationship with my father. The last time I saw him was in 2004 
when I testified against him in family court on behalf of my younger siblings, half siblings Mm -hmm. from his third wife. So I don't have any relationship with him. Um, From my understanding, he is remarried a fourth time, I believe, um, and still lives um, in my hometown, I think. But yeah, I don't have any relationship with him. Um, My three half siblings were adopted by their stepdad. So he does not. So he has four children that I know of, unless he's had more. Um, And none of the four of us have any relationship with him and haven't for over 15 years. My goodness. Well, you know, that's a testament to who and what he is as an individual, I guess, you know, you know, I just bless America. But there are so many people that think he's such a great guy. I'm sure. And they like, have no they have no idea. They have no clue at all. And well, that's just, just like that fits but that, that. that's his personality. His I was gonna narcissistic, say, you know, look at me, big shooter, and yeah. I was so, just gonna I mean, say that very thing. It's his narcissistic self. You know, mm-hmm. it's all about perception. It's not about re- reality. So I, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you're better off probably, <laughs> you know, as much. Oh, as yeah, I, as I absolutely. And and that's the thing is that I don't. Um, so, like I said, I have very limited contact with my with my mom. Um, but the people that I do consider my parents, which is actually my ex stepmother and her husband. Um, I call them mom and dad, and they are very good to Jesse and I and the kids. And um, she's the mom of my three half siblings. And um, like I said, her husband adopted the, those three kids um, about seven years ago, I guess. And um, yeah, I'm really lucky for for everything that I had to go through. Um, I'm really lucky now. Yeah, you are. And not only are you lucky, the three li- little people that you live with are are lucky as well. So, I mean, everything comes full circle. Um, yes. it, now, the end result could have been, like I said earlier, a completely different s- scenario. But you refuse mm-hmm. to allow, you refuse to go down that, that rabbit hole. And that is a testament to your your inner self you know and uh it's pretty remarkable really it's a remarkable story now the parental part of that you know well well established like i said i didn't expect you know i didn't experience anything like that when i was growing up you know mm-hmm. uh very i i can only remember like one or two really big blow-ups between my parents as a kid like when when they split up like i said i was like 18 or 19 years old that took me so off guard like there's no fucking way that this would ever be a thing like i knew you know i had friends that were you know i had watched them go through their parents you know splitting up and divorcing and all that stuff some cases they remarried, had other kids. Like, I just couldn't wrap my head around that. was you know, until I was older. Um, yeah, I just, man, oh, man. 
that could have gone one of two ways, especially with the uh, with the amount of the the mental, the emotional abuse that you did go through. That would have fucked anybody up, you know. Uh, but you you rose above it, and you, that is certainly something that can. It's very admirable. It's teachable, you know. That you can. This is something that you can either you know directly or indirectly teach your children you know this is what you don't want to do right this is not how you this is not how we treat people blah 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 right um so another aspect of our childhoods and this is the one that i have more experience in i mean you do too to to some regard but my my contribution to this week, because <laughs> I'm just sitting here, just kind of wow, this is this was a fun trip down memory lane. But you know, as far as <laughs> um, the kind of people that you associate yourself with, your friends, your classmates, your whatever, um, later on in life, as you start to get into the workforce, different bosses, different teachers, different colleagues things of this nature they also have a a direct influence on who you become now i've made no bones about the fact that i mean this may still be a thing here in 2021 and at 45 years old i i was not popular at all i was picked on i was a nerd because i liked wrestling I didn't care about d designer clothes or shoes or anything like that. That's not to say that I didn't have nice things. I did, but they weren't the top of the line, you know, garments Same. and things of that nature. No, 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 no. Jeff was. Jeff had to have top of the line everything, right? Because for him, it was all about perception. I That did not matter to me. Um, I was a wrestling fan. Unapolo I was I was not going to apologize for that. That's what I was into. And I wasn't going to hide it. And back then in in I mean it wasn't until um you know later on in the 80s and 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 the 90s you know you almost were ashamed to admit that you were a wrestling fan. I mean, I remember you know getting pushed around and stuff like that on the playground because I'd be playing with 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 my friends and then you had the jocks come in and kind of push me around kind of bully me come on you know body slam me or something do something blah 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 and i would never do that because i was always afraid of getting in trouble i did not want to get in trouble at school which in turn would have gotten me fucked up at home you know what i mean i didn't right. want to want any part of that so i just i just i, I took it there were days I went home with scratches and bruises and things, maybe not on my face, but from like, you know, the collar down where I got pushed up against the fence or I got thrown to the ground or what, whatever the case may be. I just took it. And I think a lot of, and another aspect of that is my speech impediment. I mean, it was a thing when I was younger, but it didn't really become a huge problem until I got older. It is sixth, seventh, eighth grade, going into high school and things of that nature. 
and I just kind of went on lockdown. You know what I mean? I did not want to. I didn't want to put myself out there because I. I know this is going to sound terrible. I didn't want people to think I was retarded or I had some sort of, of mental handicap because that's, that's what was told to me by my peers, by the, you know, the popular kids that I looked up to that. And at one point I aspired to be, I wanted to be popular. I wanted the girls to pay attention to me. I wanted to be somebody that was respected. I, I did not have that. By and large, you know, because you know as well as I do. I mean, when you were in school, when we were in school, there's like different cliques and groups and things of this. And you got your oh, jocks, yeah. you got your brains, you got your burnouts, you got. You, you, I wasn't any. I was, I was, um, a wrestling fan. I was a nerd, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I couldn't talk right. And when I got frustrated, when I got scared, when I got in any kind of situation to where I was not at ease, that's when the stuttering really became a thing. Like it was just, it was like a defense mechanism almost. It's like my brain knows that something's not right. And it's, it's, it's in, um, it's in panic mode. It was the best way I could describe it. And it wasn't until I was like, probably in my sophomore year, I started to teach myself how to combat that. Because I knew Nicole, and for as long as I can remember, I wanted to be in the entertainment business, specifically professional wrestling. Because it was such a huge part, for, you know, of, of my life. Like, I lived vicariously through these men, hulking men, that I watched do incredible things on my TV set every Saturday morning. They were real-life su- superheroes. And I wanted to, I wanted to make people feel the way that I felt watching them. I was entertained and I, not just wrestling, but I, I took a great interest in like my favorite actors, my favorite actresses, you know, rock stars, like some sort of entertainment. I knew I wanted to get into, into entertainment, but I also knew that if I wanted to get into wrestling, I had to teach myself how to talk in front of, of, of the public, because that's a huge part of being a wrestler. Right. Um, but the years of a mental and, and physical abuse among your peers, classmates, things of this nature, helped shape me and helped me get to a point to where I had to teach myself how to get out of this. Make no mistake about it. Anybody that listens to, to the show, any of my shows, really, you've seen me on stage, you see me in public. I just hosted a, a trivia thing here last week that my first time doing that, it was a little bit of a shaky start because it was something I was not used to. It was a format I was not used to. I'm very much a control freak. Like I, I have to be, I know it's funny. I have to be in control of my situation for me to flourish seamlessly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now with that being said, I still get hung up from time to time and it still gets called out to this day. You know what I mean? 
Um, I I was involved in <laughs> when I, when I when I look back on this portion of my life, and I think about these key moments that helped shape me, who I am mentally, emotionally, physically, what I want to be. There are snapshots of moments in time that just they crushed me and one one of the ones that really stand out was um i was in a relationship and it was a pretty serious one and i was told because <laughs> we were starting to talk about you know i was in my 20s too but we started to talk about marriage and things of that nature and i thought things were things were going to go well and this and the other thing and this chick says during the midst of an argument I don't even know what the fuck we, we were arguing about, to, to be honest with you. But I, I do remember this ver, verbatim. I mean, word for word. If you think that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with a retard who can't talk right, you have another thing coming. Nicole, I, didn't talk, oh. I didn't talk right. to anybody aside from my parents, aside from my boss, and whatever customers I had to deal with at that time. Oh, I didn't talk to anybody for like three, like months, three or four months. I, I would not because it just crushed me. If she felt like that, who else feels that way? And, and subsequently, who's talking shit behind my back? When I started at GM, I've talked about this, you know, Gary, piece of shit, Gary. Gary. I knew uh, Gary was as soon as you said that. I was like, it's Gary. Yeah, it it's is. Gary. Because it had that kind of effect, even as as an, an adult. You know, I was, we were outside, and the way the building was set up, there's like a platform on the on the third floor of of the plant, of the old plant. And I was down like around the first or, or second and I could hear him talking to another coworker and making fun of me doing the mannerisms of, of a person who has a speech impediment because I got hung up on, on a word that crushed me. You know what I mean? Because I can't help it. I can, there's nothing. I mean, I can, I could come up with ways to, to trick myself. I can come up with ways to um, avoid those situations, but you know, from time to time, it's going to happen. There's nothing I can do about it. It's just it's it's a disconnect in my brain somewhere, which is why I when I whenever I do anything public, I have to have a microphone, or in this case, I have to have these airline type headset on so that I can hear my own voice. When I hear my own voice, it's not nearly as a thing as if you and I were talking face to face because I don't have that echo in my ear. The echo is what um, helps me combat that. Now there are times and it, and it just happened right that second where I have to consciously think, okay, I'm coming up on a word that I know I should say, but I know I can't. So my brain very quickly goes through my vocabulary. What word can I substitute? makes sense but all of that has been a contributing factor to who i am 
here t today and subsequently how I treat people, how I how I correspond with people, because I've I've come in contact. I've been asked to talk to people that have similar speech issues and some of them bless their hearts. Um, they can't say three words without being hung up on something and as somebody that goes through something like that my initial response is you know my my initial want is to finish their sentence for them but ultimately you don't want to do that because it makes that individual feel dumb i know that because i've been through that you know, um, and has shaped who and what I am to this person. Now my focus, yeah, professional wrestling, the Michigan wrestling or organization, all of that still a very big part of my life. This is my calling. This what we're doing here, podcasting, motivational speaking. I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be right now. I feel like I can take my experiences, my feelings, my thoughts, my setbacks, my hangups, all of that, and to show people, look, it's not the end of the world. You can do amazing things if you learn how to work around or adapt to these certain shortcomings that we have as individuals. In the grand scheme of things, your story and my story are on opposite ends of the spectrum. But the common thread here is, and the thing that keeps it all, all wrapped up in one is, these are contributors to what made us. Am I right? Yeah. So, that was kind of my two cents on the whole thing. <laughs> Very good. <clears throat> I mean, I could go on and on, but, you know, I could, you know, number one, nobody want, wants to sit here and listen to me talk for two hours about all the different things that I encountered as somebody with a speech impediment mm -hmm. or anything like that. Because um, in the grand scheme of things, you know, not to compare and contrast between your story and mine. Um, you know, but to the casual observer, you know, mine is very, very insignificant versus the type of impact that it had on you. I would argue that, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, if we had to prioritize it or or anything like that, then yes, Nicole's story is, is one of potential tragedy. But at the end of the day, it's a success story. I would like to think that my contribution to this episode is very much like that too, because I could have gone, I, I could have done a number of different things that would, that would have put me on a different path in life that I could have been successful at, but I wouldn't have been nearly as happy with myself. And there are aspects of my life that I'm not happy with that I don't, that it that doesn't put the wind in my sails, as they say. <laughs> but I refused to let assholes, bullies, um, things of this nature dictate to me 
who I'm going to be. Because at the end of the day, we have to be happy with ourselves because if we're not happy with ourselves, there's no shit in way we're, we're going to be happy with anybody else or for anybody else. This is kind of, I, that's just how I, I, I look at things good, bad, or, or, or indifferent, I guess. That's kind of where we're at. Very good. This was a good episode. I think so. I'm it's sorry. Probably... Someone ever, I'm, I'm sorry. Anyone ever called you the R word. Yeah. Well, it happens because, you know, there is a contingent of people that suck. Yeah. <laughs> There's people that still, I don't use that word any longer. I mean, growing up, we did because right. it was very common. Right. Um, I never use that word anymore because it's so just like. And I uh, get it. Yeah. And or ordinarily, I would not say that. But in the context oh, of, yeah. of the story, of I felt like I had to. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, that's disgusting. And I'm glad that you didn't end up with someone that treated you that way. Yeah, that that would have been a shame. Well, it's her loss because I mean, l- look at me now. I'm I'm kind of yeah. a big deal, and I'm pretty yeah. fucking hot. So <laughs> I don't know about all that. No, I don't either. I did was <laughs> I kid. I kid. I don't really believe that. I just you know I could have you know what would have happened if I, if I just let it roll you know what i mean i just i just accepted that you know i I think of jim carrey all all the time and i can't remember what what move oh it was liar liar when he was talking to a client or something like that and then he he made it he made a tina turner reference um you know where where would tina turner be if she just let ike smack the shit out of her and you know put some stank on it but now she's beyond (laughs) the Thunderdome and she's, you know what I mean? And I was like, I don't know why of all movie references, that's the one that popped in my head, but probably because I saw it the, the other day and, 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 and that scene always cracks me up. So that is funny. It is. I felt, I feel like this was a very good episode, which I knew it would be. I knew it was going to be, raw it was going to be emotional it was going to be real and it was very Mm -hmm. very real and i know a lot of that is not easy for you to talk about so i i really appreciate each and every time that you go into the weeds with with things like that because you know i don't know if i would be able to not on that level not with that much detail but you know you come on here and you're like hey fuck it this is who i am this is what I am, and if you don't like it, don't listen, don't watch, don't be a part of it, or what, whatever. That's very ad- admirable, you know, trait, you know, part of well, what made you. So I appreciate well, you. you. Well, I appreciate you. And we both, you and I, we certainly appreciate all of uh, all of our fans, all of our 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 listeners that tune in each and every week here on the Jackal Creations Podcast Network for all of the latest news and information, events coming up, new episodes coming up. Uh, We encourage you to to check out um, all of our sites, our our social media sites on Facebook. Every show on, on the network now has its own Facebook page, Nicole. 
Ooh, so, that's exciting. That's it is. I'm following all of them. I wish the hell you would. <laughs> 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 kind of, you know, we're all one big family here. And, yes. um, you know, by and large, it looks like the family is going to expand a little bit here. We're, we're slowly but surely, Nicole, m- moving to a point to where every single day of the week, in some way, shape, or form, people are going to hear this this awesome voice of mine. In some way. Ooh, all right, then. <laughs> oh, hell's bells. I kid. Uh, uh, potential for a fifth show. So oh, let's see goodness. how. I know. Look. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to get this thing built up to where this is our job. So this is what we do for a living. So, you know, you don't know unless you try. I just keep throwing shit at the wall and see what sticks. I say it all the time. But uh, anyways, anyway, um, for every, for everybody listening, thank you so, so much for for tuning in. Keep checking back uh, to our social media accounts to Klaus to the Heart at Net. Um, that has all of our contact um, information on there. Oh, real quick, <laughs> this made me chuckle, and I this came across my radar a couple of weeks ago. But you and I weren't 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 able to talk last week, and I was going to mention uh-huh. it. Then. You know, when I come on here and I'm getting re- re- I'm getting ready to to sign off every show, and I say, hey, if you have feedback, send it to the to this email address. But if it's anything negative, you send it to to Nicole at ClausToTheHeart.net. You know, I I had somebody send me a message that says, hey, I can't find the 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 email address for for Nicole. <laughs> oh no! And I was like, oh no. Okay, two things. One, it uh, what's what's your issue? <laughs> you know, let's <laughs> let's talk about it. But they seriously went to the website looking for 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 Nicole at Claws to the Heart dot net, which just tickled me to no end. Like I laughed oh. about that. Probably all damn night at at work one night, and I just I had to show a friend of mine. I'm like, oh, look no. at this shit. <laughs> Someone hates me. That's great. <laughs> no, it it wasn't you because I I did get something out of them for it. Um, we were talking through Facebook Messenger, and uh, I'm like, what's you know what's your what's your issue? I was like, the the Nicole thing is a joke. It's an on air joke. Like I don't really have an email account set up to send all of your hate mail to it's, you know, <laughs> it's this fun little banter between her and I, you know, but if there is a problem, let me, you know, let me know, you know, cause oh, that's, sure. I, I, I can't improve anything if I don't know. And it had right. nothing. It was not you. It was me. It was me that he had issue with, with, uh, you know, some of the things that I had said on a particular episode because he did not agree with, with my stance on it. Oh, and okay. I said, okay, I look, I totally understand your point of view. And, you know, I, I had not thought about it because I don't, I didn't have that kind of experience, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I mean, it's all good now, but it, it, I shit you not. Like I laughed about this and I had to show a friend of mine at work that listens to our show each and every week. And I'm like, look at this. 
And he started laughing, you know what I mean? <laughs> Cause That's he hilarious. knew, he knew there was no thing, you know what I mean? So That's I so just, funny. I wanted to share, I wanted to share that with you for. That's quick. very funny. <laughs> My goodness. All right. Uh, great episode. We're, we're, we're looking forward to getting back, to, you know, back on here next week for another episode of the Klaus to the Heart podcast. We do have a special bonus episode. Um, that is going to drop. I did an interview with a um, healthcare professional um, in terms of um, this new variant of COVID and how it's affecting their job and things of that nature. Um, actually, it may have already dropped before this one does, but uh, all kinds of new and exciting things happening here on the network. Stay tuned. Follow Klaus to the Heart uh, net and follow us on Facebook. So for Nikki Falsoni, I'm Jason Klaus. Be awesome to yourselves and to each other. And we will see you next Tuesday beginning at midnight with a brand new episode of the Klaus to the Heart podcast. Powered by Anchor.fm.